everyone. Welcome to Chisme con Corazón with Cristal Vanessa Perez and Fabiola Salazar. Chisme con Corazón is a collection of stories from the mujeres in our lives. We've inherited the art of storytelling from our ancestors, and this podcast is a preservation of the lessons behind the stories. We're linking up with powerful Latinas, sharing our light and building our community. Join us as we lean into each other's magic. Sisterhood, cultura, and storytelling captured in a podcast. Recordando que hay fuerza en nuestras historias. Are recording. Whoop, whoop. Welcome to episode five. Today we have Gabby and she will be sharing her story. For all of our listeners, Gabby is actually the first person we're interviewing that we don't know intimately. intimately. Yeah. yeah, intimately, if you will. And so we're very excited to hear her tell her story. I met Gabby through um, through an work that we were doing with a political organization. And she stepped up on day one and like was extremely ad value. So I definitely appreciated uh, working with her. And ever since then, um, have grown to obviously see her as like someone who's really awesome. So welcome. Welcome <laughs> to Chisme con Corazón. Thank you. That was such a warm welcome. I appreciate it. We love you Aww. already. <laughs> and then I met Gabby. Um, she's also part of my fraternity, and so we met when as she was an undergrad. Um, so it's kind of crazy. As yeah, adults, we're here, we're yeah. back. And that's one of those things where you're like, there's no way I'm going to meet other people from the east side, like yeah. not in the east side, and it happens. Yeah. So. We're expanding, y'all. We're getting out of here. Very we're not true. getting out of here, but you know, exploring, coming back. <laughs> <laughs> exploring. All right. Want to jump in? Yes. All right. So we'll start off with you telling us a little bit about yourself and your story. It feels like a job interview. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> we'll have fun with it. I'm like, are you right? sure you don't want a beer? <laughs> yeah, I'm sure. Not on, not on this lovely Monday. Um, hi, everyone. My name's Gabby. I'm 22 years old, almost 23. Um, I've lived in the East Side for my whole life, except for when I went to undergrad. I went to school in St. Louis at Washington University. Recently graduated last year. Now I'm back in the East Side, as Fabi mentioned, involved with the political org that we're all in here. Um, United Neighbors of the Tenth Ward. Look yeah. us up on Instagram. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If you want to plug us <laughs> or whatever, what's was the Instagram handle? United Tenth Ward. Tenth Ward. Good job, everyone. But ten, but 10 is, I wish you guys could see like the look of confusion we just gave each other, but the 10 is like a number. So look us up. Um, we'll also put it in the show notes. Yeah. Honestly, when I was coming over here, I was thinking, I was like, what are all the brands I'm going to name so that you guys could, so could get sponsored? Thank just, you. Just names like every single brand I know in every part of my story. Like today I am wearing this and as I drink out of my bottle of water. That's the way I appreciate, you do it. I appreciate you thinking about us. I knew it. I knew this episode was going to be the one to get us on the map. Anyway, <laughs> right. I'm like, all right, so that was a nice little tangent right at the beginning. Um, all right, so you grew up in the same house that you're in, or did you start somewhere else? No, like so, another house? so I used to live in the 90s, uh, which is still the east side for all of our 10th Ward yeah. listeners. Um, I used to live in the 90s, and 
My parents split up when I was in eighth grade and we moved like my mom, my brother and I literally moved like down the block, which is funny as hell because if I would get mad, I'd be like, (laughs) I'm going to dad's house, walks down like five houses. Um, But eventually we moved, still living on the east side. Um, So yeah, I've been here a very long time. I think... um, it's kind of strange to go away for college and then come back to the mm-hmm. neighborhood that you've known all your life and not know it as intimately as you think you may have known it in the past. So I think that's something that even though I've been here now for a year, I'm still like dealing with and getting to know. But it's cool. It, it feels like a, like a new opportunity more than anything. Because mm-hmm. undergrad was the first time that you had not lived on the east side, so those were four yeah. years. Yeah, um, and I tell people this all the time. I'm like, I realize I knew like going to Wash U was like my first choice that I was going to live in St. Louis, mm-hmm. but it took me a while to process that I was moving to Missouri. <laughs> <laughs> and so when you add the Missouri component to it, you're kind of like, oh, <laughs> like, like this is a, a whole different kind of experience yeah. from what I'm used to. And why did you want to go to WashU? So you mentioned it was your top choice. Yeah. Um, so I was a part of a college access program called Target Hope. Shout out Target Hope. Um, <laughs> plug, plug. Um, shout out Target Hope. And we used to go on college tours. So WashU was one of the schools on the college tour. Um, and I had one of those like super corny, like this was after like sophomore year, I think. I had one of those super corny like, I stepped on campus and I just knew, (laughs) you know, like everyone says that, Mm -hmm. but it's a beautiful campus. Like I knew it was going to be academically rigorous and I'm a try hard. So I was, (laughs) so I was like, yes, like I want challenge when I go to school. Um, After that, what solidified my choice was that I did a program where I took classes there for five weeks. This was like going into my junior year, my senior year. So I was like, damn, this is hard as hell. <laughs> and I, <laughs> and I still yeah. was like, like, no, you know, like I, I think that I can do this. And also it was, it was far enough from home for it to feel like I was going away to school, but close enough to the point where like, I knew if I was homesick, like there would be the possibility mm-hmm. I'd be able to come back, stuff mm-hmm. like that. So that was a big part of my decision too. Yeah. Did you come back re- regularly then? I tried to. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like ne- things never work out the way you like <laughs> anticipate they will. You like Missouri too much. Oh yeah, that's what it was. Right. <laughs> no, I was just always one of those people that was like, if I go at this time, then I only have like one and a half days really. When you're like yeah. count out the transportation, and I would I would just like overthink it way too much instead of like enjoying the time that I was gonna be home. Mm. I would like start dreading the moment that I would have to return Mm. so it didn't become like worthwhile as much anymore Mm. um but I definitely try to come back when I could because I like loved being home and just experienced such a serious homesickness being in St. Louis that I was just like I need this from time to time or I'm it's just gonna like wreck me (laughs) um so actually I feel like I went to Loyola so I wasn't that far away I didn't Mm. come home a whole lot um, but I don't think, maybe this is perception, I feel like you appreciated being from the east side a lot sooner than I did. 
Um, and even like that that project that you had been working on where you were interviewing folks yeah. in the community, I don't even think that was on my radar until I had moved back. Um, yeah, so um, so basically I was in a program that gave me money to do a project of my choosing, a civic engagement project. Mm-hmm. And I started thinking a lot about like, for example, like I love being from the east side now but that's not something that I was always like in the mindset of thinking. Mm-hmm. I think, um, I don't wanna speak for all of my peers, but I think it, it was very easy for me and people my age to get into the mindset of like, this is somewhere we have to leave yeah. or um, like this is just one step and then you make it to the, to the next one. And not that there's no turning back, but that this, is just like one part of your journey and it's not necessarily going to be the destination point um so i really started to interrogate in undergrad why it is that i harbored these negative feelings towards the east side that i don't think were really fair towards it um and so i started thinking about like making my project be just bringing awareness to what the east side has to offer and our history because it was a point of frustration for me as well um being in high school since i didn't go to high school in the ward but also going to college just in a completely different state Mm -hmm. having to explain to people where i live and them not understanding that um and i started to realize that what they didn't know didn't necessarily mean that I had to undervalue like where I was coming from and what I had experienced. So through that project, I interviewed like 21 or 22 people in the ward. Mm -hmm. Some people I knew, some people like other folks just like introduced me to them or Mm -hmm. like I walked up to them, which was super out of my comfort zone (laughs) as well to do that. And just ask them, you know, like, what's your story? what's your favorite part of living in the 10th ward? Um, and what are like what are things that you think make the east side unique or make the 10th ward unique? Uh, or how would you describe our neighborhood to people who have never heard of it before? And I think when you start to see things from the lens of other people, you're like, okay, like I didn't even think about that. And these yeah. are people that are my neighbors, you know? So that was really cool for me. Um, an experiment and just getting to know people but also getting to know like what it means for people to be a good neighbor um because i think that when i was thinking about interviewing people in my neighborhood i was like you know what like people aren't going to want to talk to me like i consider people from our neighborhood to be like very cautious right Mm -hmm. but i'm that way too and i think that that just comes with the territory of living in a place like the one that we live in where people of course are going to be like weary of people that they don't know mm-hmm. but once you tell them like him from the east side they're like oh okay like ask me right. questions there's a you whole want different comfort zone. and so you know i think there's there's some negatives to that but there's also a lot of positives in the sense that people were willing to to contribute to my project for the simple fact that I was their neighbor. And so mm-hmm. I started understanding like what that meant to me, what it meant to be a good neighbor, that it was beyond just like, you know, like having a neighbor who cuts your grass or like watches your kids when you're at work, but also just people who wanna contribute to your story or your narrative in some way. I love that. I 
I mean, coming from the east side, I think, I, I guess I was more like Crystal on the Sunset. I, I don't think I undervalued the east side, but I don't necessarily think that I appreciate it, like to the point where I do now. I mean, like we have literally, you know, trails that we have access to, like there's mm -hmm. Forest Preserve, which is like a luxury on the north side because yeah. they don't mm -hmm. have anything. You know, like I can walk outside and I see my neighbors walking their dogs every day and there seems to be, like, to your point, a certain, not everyone, right, but there's, like, a certain friendliness that comes by, like, identifying as being, like, oh, I'm from the east side. Mm -hmm. um, and so, yeah, I, I completely agree that this, for many people, this has been, like, a place you leave, but I think that dynamic is changing. For sure. Yeah. It's really changing with our generation. Mm -hmm. And so my hopes are that, like, you know, we kind of, develop that sentiment and pride in the east side the way other neighborhoods have like developed it because i think the pride has always been here but i, I mm -hmm. think there was so much um what do you call it like when talent leaves like we were just going everywhere else and so yeah. now there wasn't anyone to really like change things because all the or like even left. maintain the energy because then you get folks that are excited y luego se van exactly mm -hmm. hacer otra cosa, and then you lose that continuity yeah um sure. but like i was on the road trip this weekend and i'm i'm from the east side my cousin's on the trip she's from the east side two of my other cousins were there from the east side and then my friend who's married to someone from the east side and so we're talking about all these connections of like this person's aunt this person's mom this person they grew up with and so Every time I talk to folks, I'm just like, it's literally just community. And not necessarily that we all, like, know our neighbors, but it's pretty likely that, like, your neighbor went to high school with your mom or, like, right. somebody down the street. Mm -hmm. um, and so, like, capturing that idea is beautiful versus just taking it for granted. Because I don't think I realized, like, how beautiful that was before. Yeah. Or that I can walk to most of my aunt's houses. Yeah. <laughs> that's and so I, true. And I think that's, like... Going back to what Fabi was saying, like, I think that's such a cool part of, like, being in our org, too, is that, like, mm -hmm. I think that that's pushed me to think about what are the possibilities in our neighborhood and in our ward. Because um, even this is, like, this is small and, like, so corny. But I remember when I was younger, we, if we were, like, bored or something, like, my dad would drive us, like, all the way down Lakeshore Drive. And then we'd go to, like, Evanston and stuff like that. And you would start to see, like, these ginormous houses. Yeah. And so we used to play this game where we would be like, okay, we're driving through one block. Everyone pick their house on the block, <laughs> mm -hmm. you know? And so that would be like a source of conversation. And that's still something I enjoy doing because I think it's natural and it's human for people to envision their lives as like different than what it is. Um, but I started realizing recently that when I'm like driving around the east side, I'm like, oh, you know, I haven't driven down this block before. Mm -hmm. So yeah. even though like there's a very simple way to get home, I'm gonna drive down this block instead to look at the houses. Yeah. Um, or like even now I'm like, you know, like this is the house I like the most on this block and this is the <laughs> house I like the most on this block. And you start to envision that and I think that that's something that's very powerful, right? Because mm -hmm. perhaps you're not necessarily putting action to it, right? It's like a vision, it's like a dream. But like that eventually can become something so yeah um i also i love our bike paths but and so it's easy for me to like Hell get yeah. bored being on the exact same path every day my mom's someone who wants to walk every day and one day last week we ended up walking i think like down avenue b or something and we were commenting on like the plants and the house and the different styles because we 
take the exact same routes home. And so you don't realize <laughs> it. And I feel like the last maybe like two, three months, I've heard in multiple groups, people saying like, I've explored this random block and the east side has really nice houses. Mm-hmm. Or like, I saw this style, even the house that we're in right now, during Jessica's episode, she talked about like, this isn't a style that you see a lot in yeah. the neighborhood. Mm-hmm. And so... I feel like now I'm starting to realize, and I'm like, I want to see what plants people have. Where I was telling mm-hmm. people have roosters, and my dad goes and talks to them. <laughs> and we were driving, and he was like, look, in that house, they put out a little pool for the ducks in the summer. So now I'm going to go walk by that house during the summer to see their <laughs> ducks. Um, so for sure, like, just seeing it through a different lens and perspective. I love that. My mom, I actually check in on my mom every day, or I see her every day. And I don't know why yesterday, I'm like, show me your plants. So she, like, showed me. But like it's definitely like a certain pride that you take yeah. and then you look around and you're like, who has the best plants on the block? <laughs> yeah. Street cred right there. I feel that. I feel that yeah. so hard. I love that. So um, I guess shifting back to your college experience, um, I wanted to get in a little bit more into that homesickness. Mm-hmm. Um, so it sounds like you weren't coming home every week. Um, mm-hmm. So how, how did you navigate feeling homesick? In a state like Missouri, in a city like St. Louis. Yeah. At a university like WashU. Yeah. <laughs> um, not well. <laughs> like, managed, managed very poorly. Um, no, I, I honestly, though, I don't think that it's something that I managed well. Um, don't feel bad. And we I have think... yet to talk to anyone who said they've managed it well. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Like, a, no, I feel like. So whenever I talk to people about my college experience, I think that it's important for me to like emphasize how difficult it was. Um, and But also like, you know, like I think people are quick to say like the very cliche, like college was like the best years of my life. I'm like, thank God those weren't the best years yeah. of my life. Cause I got a, a hell of a lot of life left to live. Yeah. But um yeah, it, it was very difficult and it was something that I managed very poorly. I think that I'm both a very emotional and a very logical person, which I think people pin those things um, against each other or that they can't necessarily coexist. But everything that was logical, right, would tell me like, you're going to be fine. Like you're five mm-hmm. hours away from home. Your parents check in on you all the time. Like you have a relatively like stable life like school is bs honestly like it's it shouldn't be as high stakes as we make it out to be and you know that it's not but still the emotional part of me would be like no but like i don't know when i'm gonna see my parents and Mm -hmm. just like the most ridiculous stuff but it's it's not really ridiculous right because it's it's what you're feeling in the moment and i think for someone like myself, I was so used to like being affectionate with my parents and like hugging my parents and just being so comfortable like being at home um, and almost like being a homebody as well. Mm-hmm. So it was just a very strange transition for me to make and I don't think that I that I coped with it in a very healthy way, but I don't think that I coped with a lot of my (laughs) college experience in a very healthy way, you know? Like, for me, it was just, like, self-sabotage, like, Mm -hmm. over and over again. What what are some examples of that self-sabotage? Oh, I was, like, the worst, I kid you not, the worst procrastinator. Like, I'm pretty sure I wrote, like, a 12-page paper the night before, 
And did I have time? Maybe. Maybe I did have time to, to handle that beforehand, but I just wouldn't. I would be yeah. like, my excuse was always like, oh, I don't feel inspired. Like, you don't have to feel inspired <laughs> to write a research paper. Just write it. Yes. Um, but I was inspired by that paper. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So I, I would just like, I would procrastinate really hard. Um, but you would get it done. Yeah, I would get it done. I would get it. See, but that's the thing too is like, I'll be like, oh, no, this is all BS. And then, no, like, I'm still going to do it because I'm going to try <laughs> hard and I want to keep my grades up. But, yeah, I would just self-sabotage in that sense. I would, like, freshman year, for sure, I went to sleep every night, I kid you not, at 3 in the morning. Oh, my god! And it was because I would start my homework late. And then I'd be all, like, sad, and I'd be like, oh, I don't know what to do. So I would, like, <laughs> I would, like, I would, like, go to sleep with chef's table on because oh that was, like, my therapy. It was just a, a rough <laughs> experience, honestly. And you think every year, like, oh, no, like, I'm not going to do it like that this time. I'm going to be more organized. I'm going to do this. Or I'm going to learn how to tell people no when they, like, <laughs> ask me to do this and th- this, this, and this. And it never happens because, and I think that's part of like the ambitious side of me Mm -hmm. too, is like, no, I have to do all these things to stand out or to do this. So I don't know, the logical and illogical side of my brain (laughs) working at the same time. Well, I'm curious. So going into that like point around standing out, right? Mm -hmm. So I guess, what did you want to pursue? So you're trying really hard in your classes, even though you're like, school is BS, which yeah. I think many of us, at least for me, it resonates. Um, but similar to you, I was like, well, they tell me I need college to get to X, Y, Z. Like they, you know, it's required. Yeah. So I have, I have to do well, right? Even though I may not believe in it. So then what, what were you, what did you want to study when you were in college? And then what did you actually do post-college? Yeah. Um, so I went in undeclared, but I was like, as soon as I started, I was like, no, like I know what route I want to take. I wanted to major in urban studies. Um, and also like my end goal was like, I'm going to go to law school, which completely changed now. (laughs) I can't Um, see you as a lawyer. Yeah. People would tell me that too. And I'd be like, yeah, (laughs) you know, like, but I, I started off urban studies not in any official capacity just in gabby capacity in like my brain uh and i went to go sign up for the class which i signed up for all of my classes late going into (laughs) freshman year because i so they like had this program where you would go over the summer to sign up for your classes and it was like orientation and I didn't go, and I literally had no valid oh reason God. to go. But that should have been, like, an indicator of, like, my real-life fear yeah. of, like, going away to school because I was just avoiding it. But anyway, so I, like, missed all the good slots. So it was just dumb. <laughs> oh, no. Self-sabotage. But also, yeah, like, another type of, like, your anxiety or whatever yeah. it is gets the best of you. And then later you're like, all right, well, now current me has to deal with what past exactly. me just decided to do. Exactly. So I I wanted to sign up for the intro to urban studies class because that seemed like a given. I um, but there were no more seats, so I talked to some people and they were like, "Oh, just email the professor and see what they say." Um, and so I sent this like long email 
Oh. Is it saved on your computer somewhere? I bet it is, unfortunately. <laughs> um, and I was just like, you know, like, I really just want to get an intro to this. I'm really interested, blah, 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 blah. Is there any way I can, like, at least sit in on the class on the first day and, you know, like, obviously wait to see if people dropped it? Um, and the professor responds to me quick as hell and is just like, this class is canceled this semester. I was like, oh, <laughs> awkward. Okay. But then I, you know, then I got some feedback from other people about the department and maybe mm. why I should not pursue that degree. Okay. Um, so I was like, okay, I'm not going to do that. <laughs> um, so I, that semester I actually ended up switching like literally every single one of my classes that first week because I was just like, this is not going to work out. Um, so I ended up switching into an intro to Latin American studies class. And that class was the best class ever. Like the professor, shout out Nacho, um, the best professor in college ever. Um, he was just like, you know, like I want to get to know all of my students. So anyone who's in this class who hasn't taken a class with me, like make a one-on-one -on -one appointment with me, oh, wow. which like struck the fear of God in me yeah. because I was like, do you think that at any point I was planning on talking to my college professors? No. When people say that they have relationships, yep. it blows my mind. I'm like, how, how? <laughs> like yeah. I don't, my brain doesn't even process the comfort level or like anything. Or people that are like, oh, I would just go to their the office hours to yeah. chill. I'm like, no, I like, well, like and I, I have think, things to do. I, I think that that's chill. also like a, like a low income, like yeah. first gen kind of thing of like not having the confidence to like go and interact with the people that you're literally like paying to mm -hmm. teach you. Um, but I went to go talk to him and I just like told him about my background and stuff. And he is also Mexican. So he was like, if you ever have any existential crises related yeah. to like, there being no Mexicans here, he which is knew. so true. Yeah. Um, like, please let me know. Like, I'm here for, like, not just academic support. And then also, Amazing. he's the head of the department. So he was like, you know, like, if you wanted to declare Latin American studies right now, <laughs> I'd be able to approve it instantly. <laughs> which other departments you, like, have to write something. Yeah. Or, like, take certain courses. He's like, so I'm getting like, my numbers up. Yeah. So I was, I was like yeah I'll declare it like why not like I can always change it never changed it um so that's how I ended up majoring in Latin American studies mm -hmm. and then I picked up my other major in anthropology which is also such a washy thing to do to be like I'm gonna double major and also minor um so all of these things are in my notes when I met them yeah yeah <laughs> I for sure still have all of this like it's definitely coming back I'm I'm so eager to hear what you thought of this <laughs> um upon first impressions but I declared anthropology with a concentration in global health oh, wow. after I studied abroad in Peru after my freshman year because I just had such a horrible year I was like I was like, I should just go study abroad yeah. now. Like, what do I have to lose if I hate, like, everything else that's going on here? Like, I need something that's going to make me feel like, yeah, you know, like, this was worth it. So I studied abroad in Peru and became really interested in how they incorporate, like, traditional medicine into their system of public health oh. and very much acknowledge that as a reality. Um because I think like Western medicine is just so cruel to people who yeah. believe in other things or believe in natural remedies. Um, and that's something that I like I grew up valuing a right. lot and caring about. So 
you yeah that that point that last point definitely resonates um i was actually having a conversation today with someone around this um and this person's building a platform to help people leverage a func- what is called like functional medicine i mm-hmm. believe is a term um and help them make better decisions for food and um she was telling me how she got diagnosed with asthma like as an older adult she's like they gave me like four different medicines and she's like coming from i think uh, her background is um, her parents are from india she mm-hmm. was like to take that much medicine to me was odd because i we we don't usually take that much and so she was saying how she like had to push back on her doctor yeah and her doctor was like you have to take these like you know mm-hmm. it's part of the plan and so i think going back to your point when you don't lean into what they give you but they almost see you as like oh this person is just not as intelligent or like dismissive mm-hmm. of, of mm-hmm. the other practices but like she was like it turns out it wasn't asthma like it was something else and so um they're always wrong g always <laughs> and that's so hard even like i know that when i go into the doctor you have to push back but somehow when i walk into a doctor's office it almost feels like that power dynamic mm-hmm. I, I lean into that power dynamic of you're yeah. the doctor you're the one that has eight years therefore mm-hmm. you should know what i feel and how i'm feeling so it's really hard to advocate for yourself even in that position and yeah. i don't think it's something i had thought about until serena williams was talking about her i don't know if you remember her story mm-hmm. about giving birth and how she knew like her conditions and she was trying to tell the doctor and they wouldn't listen to her and i'm like oh yeah because you assume the doctor knows best even me coming from a family that like before you go to the doctor you figure out like you know and so after you figure out like all right this is what i can use in the garden to fix me or not fix me then you go to the doctor because by default you're gonna end up with medications um, and i remember working with all of my white bosses and I, they would tell me like oh i'm feeling this i'm like oh just smash up these leaves or just do this <laughs> and they're like well how do you know it works i'm like i can't explain the science behind it if just you, do it. Yeah, and I'm like, I'm telling you what we do in my house, and you'll be good, and yeah. And that that's part of it, though, too, is that, like, so much of healing is literally about believing that something's mm-hmm. going to work. Yeah. Um, And so it really isn't fair to discredit the things that people believe because of their cultural background, mm-hmm. um, especially if they're really not causing any harm whatsoever. Yeah. Um, because if people also like if people have faith in something if people believe in something like that in and of itself is healing in some capacity so i don't know i just like do i rely on western medicine yes do i hate it yes do i hate going to the doctor (laughs) yes do i always think that my doctor is wrong yes so like you know like i'd much rather like ask my witch like what's going on (laughs) Um, on the other end of the spectrum though my dad all of the time he hurts himself in the garage, and then he'll be like, hey, I'm going to take a shot of tequila. Will you sew me up? No. <laughs> That's what we have insurance for. He's like, I've cut myself before, and I can do this. And I'm just, he's like, I've taken care of horses and, like, goats and blah, blah, blah. Okay, fine. We have insurance now. Like, I understand you have the whole rancho. I'm not sewing you up. But it's his comes from a fear of the doctor. Yeah. And so he finds every remedio in the house to disinfect, to cure a cut when you can see his bone. And he refuses oh, no. to, Yes. So I'm like, there's both sides of it. But, That's such a, like, Mexican man thing, yeah. though, too. Like, I'm always the one who's like, 
dead if you don't make yourself a doctor's appointment like i'm gonna make it for you yeah like i'm like i have all your login information like it's gonna happen so we had you a, know um but i also think about like this weekend i was with my cousins and um we were obviously we we're talking about like our aunts and everyone who's raised us and one of the things i had brought up is like it scares me that we're gonna lose like some of the remedies and like some of those home like with the curas and stuff like that absolutely um with like my aunts it's not I'm like it's not even just the recipes it's literally like if my mom is sick she calls three of my aunts to see who has mexican medicine yeah. or a remedy or something yeah um and then so i'm like guys we have to start splitting up who's gonna know what because if we don't get it from them like it's stopping there you know and even like something as simple as like being able to identify these plants mm-hmm. so going back to my story around like uh, my mom was telling me about her garden. I looked at some leaves and I'm like, oh, that's mint. And she's like, no, that is not mint. <laughs> I can't remember what it was. And then she's like, it's not mint. She told me it was, I don't know what it was, but it, like it's part of what she keeps in her garden precisely for when you mm-hmm. get sick. And then I walked to the front and there was like a random plant and she was like, this is mint. So I'm like, oh no. So like what happens when you're like in Mexico? I'm basically screwed because I can't tell the difference between like mint and like mm-hmm. whatever the other plant was I'm not sure what it was so like to your point we're in trouble <laughs> <laughs> well even um, and I don't know if you, anyone in your family does this but like the limpiadas con el huevo hell yeah I, yeah. I only know of one person in my family knows how to do it and after that but those are also things yeah. where like you don't realize that you can do them yourself mm-hmm. right like especially yeah. like the limpiada con el huevo like just to give you an example like my witch which yes like we have a witch like that we like regularly call for stuff like Mm -hmm. she's in mexico Mm -hmm. so we literally like whatsapp her and like ask her like hey can you like can you like do a limpia from over there yeah usually she'll ask for like a picture or something Mm -hmm. like that or she'll literally just tell you like step by step how to do things Mm -hmm. um and i think that that's something that we're missing too is like the agency of knowing like this isn't just something that's like mythical and like separated from us but it's something that like we can like put into our own hands not all the time right like some people just have a gift yeah but there are a lot of things that like really can be put into our hands that we can take control of to make sure that we're like caring for ourselves Mm -hmm. it's just about knowing how to do it so so true and then how i have a question and maybe this doesn't need to be on a podcast how do you reconcile like our beliefs that like uh you know witches are like perceived as bad or or maybe the witch is the wrong word is it like a curandera well well i mean there's also like the language issue right i think that yeah the language is one thing where like people are iffy about it or like not sure how you know yeah but also like they're i mean they're like different kinds of um healing like different kinds of medicine that like they it can all be like thrown together but like mm-hmm. for example i i interviewed my witch for a podcast that i was <laughs> doing for a class um and i was like so what like what's the appropriate like do you take offense to people calling you a bruja yeah. and she was like no why would i like that's what i am yeah. so i think i think it really depends on like what they practice and how they feel about that i think in the u.s definitely like we probably throw a lot of like evil connotations yeah. to which um 
And I think people automatically think of like dark magic and stuff mm-hmm. like that. But that's not, I mean, like, that's not the case. Like, my witch, like, does not believe in practicing any kind of thing that will bring harm to anyone. Yeah. So, I don't know. I, I think that's, like, a, a point of contention that a lot of people have, even within our culture, too, yeah. mm-hmm. um, that's so heavily Catholic. It's thinking yeah. that one thing cannot exist with the other. And it's simply not true, mm-hmm. you know? Like, your faith is what you make of it. Um, and I think that also, like, a lot of things that we're taught when we're kids is just to, like, strike fear in us. Yeah. And does isn't necessarily based in any kind of factual information. So, yeah. I want to say the last year or two years, people have been using, like, Bruja super loosely on social yes. media. Yes. And I am like, you all don't know what you're saying or, like, mm-hmm. the energy that you're honing. So, for me, like... I'm much more comfortable being like, oh, I'm calling a una curandera, curandera yeah. versus being like, oh, wait, I'm una bruja, because there are those connotations. Um, but for me, I'm just like, I am aware that it's like a connotation in my head. But when I hear people use it very loosely, I'm like, you don't know the energy that you're indirectly summoning or not summoning. And like, I went to um, a curandera store with my friends one time, and they wanted for the aesthetic, right? Mm-hmm. And I'm walking in and I'm like, this is not a place for aesthetic. And they're like yeah, touching like, everything and they're like super like, oh, this is cute and this is this. And I didn't touch anything because I also grew up with my parents saying like, you have mm-hmm. to be conscious with the energy that you're bringing mm-hmm. in. And so they're over there and I'm just like, I'm going to walk here. I'll, tell me when you're ready. And like I was with two friends who were in the same mindset as me. And so like we looked around, we didn't touch anything, but we're like, this isn't like a cute aesthetic thing which is what I feel like social media has kind of turned it into. Yeah. I'm like, this is real energy. And it, that's a very, like, strange thing to me as well for people to claim that. To yeah. claim, like, being a bruja. Especially because, like, there's so much persecution behind that label. Yeah. Um, and so on, on, like, one end, it's like, yes, like, let's change the narrative around this, but also, like, you should have respect for the cultural background that comes with it. Mm-hmm. Um, because some people are literally, like, born with a gift, and, like, this is what they were, like, put on the planet to do. Mm-hmm. You can't just, like, decide one day, like, oh, I'm a bruja. Like, and I no. feel like people are trying to use it, like, oh, I'm the badass. And I'm like, that's mm-hmm. not what the word actually means. Yeah. <laughs> goofies yeah right <laughs> i'm like um no uh no it just you were talking about the the store and you reminded me that there was like a botanica i think on 106 like right where the old vodak used to be mm-hmm. they're on commercial now oh and i remember like thinking yeah. like like to your point like it's not a welcoming sp- at least it didn't feel like it was a welcoming space and um i, I think we used to get maybe someone might have gotten vitamins from there like because they used to sell mm-hmm. vitamins. Mm-hmm. But I just remember thinking, like, there's definitely, like, energy there. Um, and so, like, that's, like, as far as I've ever, I guess, explored that. Um, and I don't know what type of energy they were when not harnessing. But, yeah, that was, like, the only experience I've ever had mm-hmm. with, like, feeling like this isn't a place where you, like, touch stuff or, like, play around with, with things. So it was just, like, a curiosity for me to hear. You're actually the first person that's, like, oh, I have a witch that I go to. <laughs> I'm like, did she tell you your future? Because... <laughs> well, see, and, like, the fact that you said, like, we, we know who we call. And I yeah. think that's also something that you know need to, like, know how to do because yeah. someone doesn't randomly just, hey, Google, 
tell yeah, me how to no, find no, this, no. you know? Like, like, this is someone who's, like, vetted. One, yeah, one, like, they have to be someone trusted, but two, like, it's almost... Like, your mom calls somebody who then calls somebody who then gets you the number to that person, yeah. you know? Yeah, and I think for us, like, this is someone who has now, like, become our friend. Mm-hmm. And so, like, my mom communicates with her regularly and they check in on each other. So it's much more yeah. than just, like, a transactional thing. Mm-hmm. But also, like, you know, like, I think that our situation is a very curious one where we, like, talk to them over WhatsApp. Yeah. And I think and I think that that's like I don't that's almost like think about like how much like times have changed where you can literally mm-hmm. like text your bruja and be hey. like hey, what's <laughs> up you know but I feel like I don't know it almost makes me think of have you seen those commercials that are like 1-800 psychic <laughs> yes yeah so it's like it's not like that. Like you I feel you like you don't have her on speed dial, but yeah. you got her on WhatsApp app. Yeah, <laughs> like I feel like call. I'm like nah, that's goofy. But at the yeah. same time, I have my witch on WhatsApp. <laughs> so I love that. Um, but that just means that we'll be able to keep that. Like this is what I'm worried about is that we won't keep it. But you know what? Apparently they're evolving. There's WhatsApp. Yeah. For WhatsApp. So and we good. we've like met her in person yeah. too. Like she's legit. I love her. Mm-hmm. <laughs> or even like the sobanderos I remember oh, yeah. like yeah. when my dad had his back pains and we knew like whose house we're going to and someone has the number written on a piece of paper underneath the kitchen table or something you know mm-hmm. and so right now at least for the people that we would go to growing up everyone's passed away um, so like we haven't gone to someone in a while oh, because wow. they were all older people who had just passed and I, I feel like we just didn't find other people who were as good so I remember my dad would be like, oh, me recomendaron esta persona o esta persona. And then he'd be like, no, they don't actually know what they're doing or I don't feel better. Yeah. Um, so, like, even that's kind of a hit or a miss sometimes, too. Yeah. Again, and, um, because you're not getting reviews on these people online. Yeah. You're basically just word of mouth and trusting the Yeah, process. and in Mexico, we have someone who does that as well in, uh, in both of my parents' town. And, like, every December, like, that's when, like, todos vienen del norte, you know? <laughs> so he's booked. He's yeah. booked because they know, like, they're not going to find someone as good or as yeah. reliable as him. So he just sees people, like, back to back to back. Yeah. That's true. Well, I got two ladies here, so let me know if you guys need a contact information. <laughs> I'm like, I will let you know, my daddy. I like both of them. Um, <laughs> I've gone to different, I've gone for different reasons to book them, and they always fix me. Um, but yeah, that's like an interesting piece of like how, how we're supposed actually, let me take it, let me, let's take it there. You know, how are you guys thinking about like what is actually going to get conserved with us? Like, are you guys putting in any effort to sort of learn these practices? Cause I feel like I don't put in any effort and now I'm beginning to realize like, I don't know how to actually cook. Like my mom knows how to cook. I'm going to mm-hmm. lose her recipes or like. Her green thumb, her garden is really pretty. I killed two succulents already. <laughs> succulents yeah. are hard. First right. of all. They say they don't need water and then they do and then suddenly they die when you water them. <laughs> exactly. That's what happened to one. Immediately goes to store yeah. and buys another She's one. She's like, all right, cool, next. <laughs> no, it's sitting up in my room as a reminder of the lack of green thumb. I was actually thinking of giving it to my mom and be like, can you bring it back? <laughs> it's alive. Um, but yeah, like, I guess, what do you guys, how do you guys think about, like, that aspect of, like, losing, or not losing, sort of our cultural heritage and and, and what we do or don't do to try to preserve it? I, I feel like I don't, aside from just listening, I don't feel like I do 
active stuff. Um, but like, I don't like Mexican rice. I want to add it to my list, but I probably eat it maybe once a month. I hate it. Yeah, I like it. It has to be very particular. Your guys' podcast gets (laughs) shut down. They're like frauds. My mom makes really so. My dad cooks in my house, and my mom has a few set dishes that are amazing. But my dad loves to cook, so like he does it for fun. He watches YouTube videos. Her arroz is really good, and I'm like, I want to learn, but I also I don't eat rice like that. Like, and so it's hard. But I like I want the mole that my grandma used to make for us every birthday. And then I realized, like, my parents have their own versions of, like, mole and different dishes. I'm like, I need to be better. I feel like I, right now I've been more conscious of just, like, listening and observing. And I think as I've gotten older, my parents have also shared more with me, um, like, in confianza or just, hey, you are now part of the adult circle that needs to protect mm-hmm. the larger circle type of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, yeah, really just listening. Yeah, I think that similarly a a big part of how I preserve that I guess is by asking a lot of questions Mm -hmm. like I'm constantly asking my parents questions whether that's about like our family's history or how do you do this and that and I think that like that really came to a test like when I was in school as well because I would call my mom or my dad Mm -hmm. how do you make this and they'll like you'll feel start feeling confident right walking through things and then they'll say y luego le echas un tantito de eso <laughs> you're like what the hell does un tantito yeah. mean so I think with things like that it's tough right because it's so imprecise and I think that we can only mm-hmm. come to make things precise through practice um, but even I mean I'm thinking about like I think the most practical way for us to to maintain our history and our culture is to document things um, but I think the way that we document things today is so different than I think our parents would write, whether that's through social media, which in a way it's there forever, but in a way it's also like very forgettable. Mm-hmm. And not um, yours. Yeah. The companies own it. Yeah, exactly. And also just um, even thinking about like my mom has a has a book with like all of the recipes from her family. But I don't know that if I opened that book and like followed something mm. to a T that it would even come out the same. Like I feel like there's so much that they just assume you would know yes. that there's no way you would actually know. So it's like what do you do when you do inherit that and you can't like make something out of it? So yeah. I think I don't know. I think I like harbor a lot of information <laughs> in my mind and mm-hmm. I I realize that I'm someone who like really likes explaining things too mm-hmm. to other people. It's just a matter of like how much of that is like permanent and here to stay. Uh, well, I was I was gonna say that I really like the the turn you made back to college. Um, what were some? Because of- <laughs> <laughs> it went on like a tangent. I was like, I don't know guys, I'm like back. one year out from school. Yeah, like, all roads lead back to like oh prick. Like I was in college <laughs> like last year. Well, what? Okay, so you're one year out. You graduated in the pandemic. What are the learnings? Oh my god. Um, you know, do I? I don't recommend graduating in the middle of a pandemic. <laughs> if you can avoid it, I would. Yeah, I I don't have it figured out. Um, <laughs> don't fake it till you make it. Yeah, don't be fooled. I also think about that too because like, I when we had like our retreat for UN ten, I was like, you know, like. 
I'm the youngest person here. Like it like dawned on me. And I feel like you guys didn't realize that either. Mm-hmm. I did It's a very like strange position to be which isn't the case anymore. Um but yeah. What was your question, Fabi? But even with you and Ten, like I was starting to realize that like <laughs> learning some other folks have like children or yeah. the, the age ranges for people and I'm like, holy cow. It's like, you mean we're not all the same person? Yeah. Yes. So I was going to say that, yeah, I definitely did not realize how young you were until, I don't know, maybe like in December or something. I was like, oh, wait, you like just graduated when from I was in, When I was in crisis and I was like, Fabi, I can't find a job. Yeah, I was mm-hmm. like, wait a minute. Shout out to Fabi um, for trying to help me get a job. But um, pandemic learnings, graduating learnings, um, it was very hard uh like super duper hard um just because you know like i think what would have made me feel safe in a way was to just go straight to grad school Mm -hmm. um which it's a good thing i i didn't do because like all of undergrad and even before that i was like i want to be a lawyer and like if i would have done that now i would have been like i don't like i don't think i believe in that anymore believe in that as like my trajectory so it's a good thing that I didn't do that um but I I just had a really hard time like I like once again um I'm like a try hard right and so like consider myself an ambitious person and was like I went to a good school I did this I did that like why can't I just find like a simple entry-level job like in my mind, I wasn't asking for a lot. I was asking for like, what's the what's the given once you graduate? Mm-hmm. And I was just having such a hard time looking for things that I would just get discouraged and I would take breaks, which I was like, that's what I needed. I needed to take yeah. the breaks, but then it would be hard to like come back from that and like start that search again. So that was kind of hard for me. Um, I ended up starting a job too in October, Mm -hmm. which I was like, finally, like someone called me back. I was like, they really want me to work for them. Like I interviewed and like 15 minutes later, they like were like, you got the job. So I was like, you know, like they really want me. This is an org that I care about. And this is also still when I was thinking about law school, which like (laughs) comes to show you how quickly things could change, even though that's what you imagined yourself doing your whole life. And so I just started working there and I was just like, I, I was like, this isn't even the environment that I want to be in. Like, I, it, it's like a great organization, but it just wasn't right for a lot of reasons. And I knew that immediately because mm-hmm. I would be like on my lunch break and I would just be so stressed and I would just start weeping mm-hmm. and I would be like, I like couldn't eat. And then I'd get out of work and all I could think about was like, what work would be like the next day and I would start weeping again like it was just like a very like emotionally volatile time for me um and that's given that I already like have my own issues right and like Mm -hmm. dealing with that and trying to be as stable as possible but then like challenges get thrown your way and you really don't know how to handle them and so I literally lasted like maybe three weeks at that job um I I literally worked three days in one position and I was like you know what I just have like a horrible gut feeling which I'm all about gut feelings yeah and I consider myself someone who has like really good instinct Mm -hmm. um 
and I just told the lady, I was like, I, I was like, I can't do this. They offered me another job. And so I was like, they must really want me. I was like, oh. I'm going to do better. And I was and no, it was still bad. So then I quit, which I don't quit stuff like that. So yeah. I also was like, this isn't the kind of person that I am. Like I had such a hard time finding a job and I'm going to quit it like three weeks later. But I was so happy when I quit. Like I felt so, so free. Um, and I, I was going to say that like the fact that you had a 15 minute interview and they gave you a job should have been the red flag like right away. I was going to say this is the third episode people have said I quit and I was the happiest person ever. <laughs> yeah, that's true. This is the third one. Wait, <laughs> so, if that's telling, just, like, just follow your gut instinct. Yeah, yeah, like such an empowering feeling to like just like take it into your own hands. And also, like, I'm in a very privileged situation where, mm-hmm. like, I knew, like, I wasn't going to be, like, on the street, street yeah. or, like, you know, like, I knew I was going to be okay. And so I understand, like, I would have had to, like, tough it out if the situation was something different. Right. Um, and that's, I guess that's when I started doing the things that, like, you're supposed to do, which is, like, utilizing your network. But I just hate asking for help. Like, I had such a hard time asking Fabi for help. I don't know if she even realizes that. And it's mostly because you were like, oh, no, I can help you. Like, blah, blah, blah. Like, I almost feel like I didn't ask you, but I had to, like, follow (laughs) up with you. You know what I mean? And so I was, like, so worried about that. I was like, oh, my God. Now I have to ask Fabi for help. And whoever Fabi connects me to, like, I'm going to have to show them whatever progress I've made. I was like, oh, my God. And then in that miraculous time window when I finally asked for help I got a job with something else that I applied for um and so it's all good now um I really like where I work I'm really interested in equity in higher education and that's Mm -hmm. kind of what I want to pursue um and that's a lot of what my experience was like in undergrad is um mentoring first generation low-income students like myself um, and just doing a lot of things that were student facing and just telling them about all the ways that I messed up so that they wouldn't <laughs> have to do the same thing. Um, Hashtag passing on that knowledge. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The goal is to like leapfrog us. I'm, I'm here for it. Um, it's funny that you say that um, I volunteered help because so much of what I also deal with is like, like you said, I hate asking, not that I hate asking for help, but in my mind it. I take it like a, if I'm like deficient in some way. And um, so that's why I actually always like volunteer the help because I always put myself in the shoes of like someone who might be like me. If people offer help, like I'll take it, but I'm not, I'm always like dragging my feet when it comes to like asking for favors. When yeah, I believe that people are innately good for the most part. Um, and so like I think that people are always happy to help but you just need to like reach out mm-hmm. um but I'm glad it like worked out you know yeah I think I think that you gave me a good energy in my direction Fabi was that wind yeah I was like I was like can't let Fabi down <laughs> bags I'm always like, Gabby. my mood yeah you know I'm like Gabby Chris I need all these keep jobs yeah so then I could get hired by you guys no and Fabi you're like I, I've, like, described you to people before as, like, the more, like, practical and, like, analytical person who's, like, okay, what are our goals and objectives? And you can't just say something, like, arbitrary and dumb. Like, no. 
You're talking yeah. Bobby, like you better have like a number, like a specific <laughs> goal. You know what I mean? And so I started like when I was talking, I was like, no, like I need to, like, yeah. I need, I need to prep. Like Fabi's going to ask me exactly what I want and I don't know what I want. Yeah. So like, I should start thinking more about that before I'm just like jumping through hoops, trying to apply to like random <laughs> things. I don't even know if I want, you know? And I think that's important. Like not, not to think that I would ask, like think less of anyone because they didn't come in with numbers, but I think it's important to say, what do I actually want? Cause if mm-hmm. you... Even if it's, like, random, but if you, like, point people in the right direction, like, they will connect the dots for you. Yeah. Um, and I think, um, you know, so many people kind of hide what they're working on, what they want to do, and it's kind of, because, you know, for fear of, like, people thinking that they're dumb or people stealing their ideas. And I'm just like, okay, ideas are, anyone can have an idea, but it's mm-hmm. really the execution. So I... I think it's better to just tell people what you want and like I trust that people will help you find whatever it is that you want. Um, I also think going back to the philosophy that I have around leapfrogging, you, I, similar to you, I always like ensure people know this is how I messed up. You shouldn't do that. Like yeah. you should be making mm-hmm. different mistakes, which are cool. But in the meantime, like I already have a network that I think everyone who's younger than me should be able to leverage and I mean when when we first started UN10 that was one of the conversations that me Crystal Malik and Julio have which is that like all of us have really cool networks people our age people older and I philosophically said like how do we bring that back to the east side how do we bring it so that people don't think that being a cop or a police officer or teacher are the only options but that there are folks, you know, where you could make a really great career as an HR person or be an investor. And like, we need to bring more of that back to the East side. So that was like basically me kind of aligning with that, but in a very <laughs> like simple way. So I'm glad it helped. You're an amazing person. I don't describe you as practical. I always describe you as magical, <laughs> but your brain it's is practical amazing. magic. Man. Or even with like the podcasts, right? Um, I had talked to Fabi about wanting to do this for probably about a year. I yeah. want to say maybe a little bit more. I don't have the, here's the checklist and we're going to get this mm-hmm. started type of thing. I even have anxiety thinking about like, if it was just me and you sitting here right now, I would be dying. <laughs> I would be dying. But I had talked to Fabi and I feel like Fabi is probably one of the few people that I had spoken to, but like, I want to do something. I don't necessarily know for sure what the idea is. And I feel like she would check up on me every few months and it would evolve every time. Yeah. But Fabi is really the one that was like, hey, let's do this together. Well, let's meet this day. And I'm like, cool. Checklist for like how to start a podcast. And all right, you create the email. You do this. You do this. And I was talking to my friend who wants to start a business through like Instagram and stuff. And, you know, mm-hmm. people have through the pandemic have started selling things out of their homes. And so I'm like, this is the time to do it. Right. But in me learning through my experience with Fabiola, it's like Fabiola literally was like, this is the day that we're sitting down. These days we're going to meet consistently. These are our responsibilities. We split it up like evenly. So we had accountability to each other, but also just saying like, let's stop just talking about it as an idea. Um, and so I was just sharing with my friend. I'm like, Fabiola is really the person who helped me say like, all right, we want to do this. We need a plan to do this. And then we'll move forward. And really, once you set up the plan, I was like, all right, like we, the work after you set it up isn't horrible. 
It's just setting that time to set it up. And that's what required your brain. Bobby's a mastermind. Yeah. She really is. I also think that sometimes you just need someone to literally straight up ask you, like, what do you want? Um, Mm -hmm. Because I'm someone that sometimes I don't know what it is that I mean or what, what even my idea is until I start talking about it. Like, I just need a sounding board. Yeah. Um, so do you feel like you knew what you wanted? Because sometimes I ask folks, what don't you want? And then that gets them closer to what they want. Because I've, at least the folks I've talked to, they'll say like, well, I don't know what I want, so I don't know where to start. Mm-hmm. But it sounds like you had a starting point. I, I don't know, because I think a lot about, too, I th- especially with my job search, I was so concerned about letting other people down. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, the way that I think about that is that like, People were really invested in helping me and would like send me jobs and like a bunch of random stuff. And I would feel so bad when I would mm. just be like, nah, like I don't think so. <laughs> and sometimes you can't even explain why that is, right? It's just like, no, this isn't right. Um, and so I would feel bad about that, about like being such a no person, but there's also like a lot of power in being able to say, yeah. like, no, that's simply not what I want. No, like so you I said, think, trust your gut. Yeah. yeah. And so I think I, I, like, derived a lot of, like, power and inspiration from both being asked what I want because that's a lot more Mm -hmm. open-ended and combining that with what I absolutely, like, did not (laughs) want. Like, if there's anything, like, I know what I don't want. No, but I I do believe in, like, what what you said, which is, like, articulating or just talking about it helps you to get a clear vision of like what you do want mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. I Gabby like I actually commend you for being able to say no yeah because like that's so hard and I'm like oh and I still obviously <laughs> struggle to say no so I, I like to your point like kudos to you for being able to even though you say you didn't know clearly you did because you were like no that's not it mm-hmm. <laughs> so in many ways you did um so yeah tell us what's um how are you thinking about what you're doing today what do you do for fun outside of work? You did school. You did work. Yeah. Um, I heard you sing and have plants. Oh, my God. One could say that I sing. Mm-hmm. Um, what do you sing? One could say I'm that. retired, first of all. <laughs> Let's put that out there into the world. I'm retired. Um, yeah. I started singing when I was very young, like eight or six I don't know it's up in the air and you started through the church no so apparently like my parents heard me like <laughs> like randomly singing on the, the porch shower? one day oh. yeah no on the porch because it was all about the drama obviously <laughs> there had to be some element of drama to it I bet like I bet I was like thinking I was like going through some shit and like absolutely not at six or eight years old you never know um and I I honestly have no clue how they like found this person or whatever but they put me in like mariachi classes wow. Um, so I started off fairly young. I thought I was, I thought I was hot shit for a second. Um, now that we watch the videos back, I'm like, I'm not too sure. <laughs> I'm not too sure that it's what I thought it was. Um, I don't know. So we, we would have performances here and there. Mm-hmm. Um, it was something that I really liked because I love singing, but also being like, once I got to like 12 ish it became something that almost felt like labor 
Um, mm-hmm. And it was also just really taxing because it was something that, like, all my family would be like, Gabi, canta. Like, I couldn't even mm-hmm. go to, like, a party <laughs> or, like, just any kind of gathering without Fabiola's people being... House. Yeah. <laughs> I couldn't come to Fabi's house anymore. Um, basically because people would be like, sing, sing, sing. Oh. And so it became something that was just, like, very, like, draining mm-hmm. for me. And I don't know. It's weird to think about, like, being at 12 years old and, like, thinking about it being, like, labor. But I feel like when right. I look back, like, that's how I would phrase it. Uh-huh. Um, so I just, like, straight up quit. I still wanted to sing. Um, and so I started singing at church. And I've been singing at church for, like, at least 10 years now probably and I remember when I first started um Alex who is the he plays the violin and he also like leads the choir he used to think that I was like lip singing and I remember <laughs> and we weren't even cool like that yet and I remember one time he got all like close to me while while we were singing to hear if I was saying anything and I, I was, like, legit, like, singing oh, that. I was like, are you joking? Like, I was singing the whole time. Did you not then... hear I performed at Jane Addams <laughs> and a high school in East Chicago? Have you not heard about my voice? Do you need the evidence? Like, I will bring it up right now. But, um, yeah, I think I, like, I don't know. I didn't want to be all, I, like, sing. When I sing, I, like, project very loud and so I think I was just trying not to be extra and shit with all these like new people at church um <laughs> like I'm trying not to outshine yeah them. but you clearly f- enjoy it and then yeah. you found a way that you can actually keep enjoying it versus it feeling like yeah work. yeah and I think that was also a way for me to like in a way like feel close to my faith mm-hmm. um because it gave me like something to do at church which sounds yeah. crazy but it's like like you're like what do you mean something to do at church you should be listening yeah <laughs> but you stand like, up you sit down yeah, yeah but i feel like it kept it kept me like more in tune with what was happening and like like feeling what was happening uh so i did that for a long time and then i went to college and i was very surprised to find out that they had a mariachi shout out mariachi Cali. y'all could follow them <laughs> um <laughs> But yeah, I joined this mariachi and it was just like, I I like made one of my friends go with me to the first practice because I was like, I was like, I'm scared to go by myself, whatever. Meet up and it's like all white people. <laughs> Seriously? Yeah. Oh it my was, gosh. It was, it was, um, yeah. it was white people and Asian folks, which is a reflection mostly of the fact that there was like 7% Latinos at WashU. And also like, I mean, I doubt y'all know anyone else who's in a mariachi. You know, it's right. not something like, oh, like all the Latino kids are going to want to join the mariachi. Like, nah, right. they're not. <laughs> I, they're not going to want to join. But I brought my friend. My friend ended up joining, which I think is funny as hell. Because uh, I just dragged her to practice with me. Shout out to Yesenia. Um, and then... Well, also, I, I, like, told them, I was like, you know, I don't play anything, but I sing. And they were like, oh, my God, we don't have a singer right now. Like, <laughs> our singer just graduated. Like, they were all eager before they even heard my ass sing. <laughs> like, I could have been so bad, I bet. And they still would have been. Back 15-minute interview. Yeah. <laughs> they would have been like, yeah, like, let's, let's do, do it. it. Um, 
So, and also, like, that I had, like, experience, quote-unquote, experience. I'm imagining all these weritos, like, super excited to hear yeah. about your experience up to 12 years old. Yeah, and that, listen, and that's the thing, too, is, like, okay, so then I joined, and I started recruiting, you know, all my people to join. <laughs> I would have, I, like, considered our group, like, a very diverse group. And then I just, like, I don't know, I thought it was so interesting that so many other people... Like, I feel like people my age don't appreciate mariachi music who have similar background than that I do. And there were, like, all these people from, like, different parts of the country, but also, like, like we had someone randomly join who was a student from China. And in my head, I would always think, like, what is it about this that, like, would draw you? And yeah. so I became really interested in that, too, and just seeing, like, why are people drawn to us? And it's really just, like, a straight up like love for the music but also like i would describe our our mariachi as like a little ragtag group you know like we're all just a, like people mm -hmm. with very random and different interests mm -hmm. and we weren't a, we weren't playing to be like the best around or like to be super good like we mostly played for fun and so that was like why i really enjoyed it too because it would just give me some time to like sing and like do what I wanted to do and like jam out with people and so like I, I really appreciated that and even like being able to explain to people like why I love mariachi music so much was like such an intense like feeling I think for, to be able to like verbalize that and like why it means so much to me so mm -hmm. that was really cool but it's something that I like deeply respected and that I still deeply respect and like feel so powerfully about the music and feel so powerfully about women in particular singing that genre of music so it's a big part of my life still I think I think that's beautiful because I I've seen things similar to you there was a and again I think this is changing but there was a very underappreciation for like our culture mm -hmm. and you know if you go to Mexico Guadalajara you know Mexico City like tourists love it and you know in mexico like at least here in chicago or any other place everyone loves to go to mexico city and for so long i would go to like my hometown everyone would say like you don't go to mexico city for yes. fun like it's a bad place and i'm like but you have like all the tourists like yeah. appreciating it so even seeing that someone from china and someone who grew up in the u.s like appreciates the culture mm -hmm. i think that i personally appreciate when people take the time to like actually understand the culture yeah but also like the fact that not enough of us are perhaps appreciating is actually kind of sad because mm -hmm. i do still see a lack of appreciation for like those type of i also fine arts. think about it like we, we've been talking about like generational knowledge and what we get from our parents and for me that fear of like mexico city is one of those things um i went two years ago in november for the first time and it was because it was literally like a two-day trip because I was somewhere else in Mexico. And I told my dad, hey, we have pasado dos días in the DF. And he freaked out. Yes. He was like, no, oh. you're not. You're going by yourself. It was me and one friend who I didn't know this, had never been outside of a resort. So I do wish I had known no. that. because. But once I found out, I'm like, all right, I'm the one who has to be alert. <laughs> um, but, you know, the first night we, pow we took a power nap. We woke up maybe 10 o'clock. So we went walking through the streets. We happened to find a street where there was all the vendors. And so we we bought something at every single stand, took it home, and we're like, we have a whole sample platter. Um, 
But I knew as I was on the street, I'm like, I cannot tell my dad that I was here at 10 o'clock at night <laughs> or that I didn't even know where I was going. I literally was like, come on, Marlene, let's go. And then I'm like, we'll turn here. We turn here. People, we see food. All right. This is the way we're going. Yeah. Yeah. My dad's like, your uncle got his wallet stolen the first day. See, literally, everyone, <laughs> everyone's parent has a story of like, oh, they lost this or like, they woke up and they were somewhere else or like I like yeah there's always something because I was buying my tickets to go to Lima when I was gonna study mm-hmm. abroad mm-hmm. and I was just like you know like these tickets are expensive as hell so I was like when whatever I find whatever like however number of like connecting flights whatever but I'm gonna buy it like I and I have mm-hmm. to buy it now so you know, me being the adult Gabby that I was, like, this was something I did on my own. I looked for it on my own. And then I told my mom, I was like, yeah, and one of the one of the layovers is in Mexico City. She was like, oh, my God. She yeah. was like, I can't believe you did that. She was like, you can't do that. She was like, not even the airport's safe. She was like, yeah. everyone has a story about how they got abducted at the airport in Mexico City, apparently. Which there's just like no way, like I don't buy it. I mean, yeah, not, a couple of them have to be true. Right, a couple of them. But I was like, I was like, literally, I'm just gonna be there a couple hours. I'm gonna mind right. my own damn business, and it's gonna be fine. Mm-hmm. But she was like freaking out. She was like, and she, I remember she like called me while I was there too. Make sure you were okay. Yeah. But it's a little dramatic. They're so dramatic. But, like, I also appreciate, like, there, we didn't go change money at a currency exchange. We went to, I forgot what they're called, but they're basically, like, department stores that have a place to change the money in the back. And so the guy told me the name of it. I recognized it. We find it. And my friend's like, where are we going to change this money? I'm like, all the way in the back of the department store, there will be a cajera that can change the money. And so, like, that's what we did. But I think, like, if he had just told me the name of the place, I would have walked in and been like, this is a department store. Where am I supposed to do anything? Yeah. Where am I getting the pesos? Yeah. Or even at one point, we, we didn't have any more, like, cash on us. And so this woman was like, oh, you can go get more money here. So my friend stayed there. I think I walked, like, I want to say half a mile to the place. But I felt comfortable. And I knew she probably wouldn't have felt comfortable. That. And also, it's just normal. You just walk down the street. Yeah. Let me not wave my wallet around or have it yeah. in my back pocket. And I'm like, um. Literally, everyone that gets robbed, they'll have their phone out, like yeah. right here in front of their face or just doing Yeah, my dad's like, stuff. it was stolen out of his pocket. And I'm like, well, mine will be in my zippered bag. <laughs> I don't know what else to tell you. That's so true. My mom said the same thing. She's like, I was carrying my purse. And they literally, like, opened it up from the side, I guess, from the back. And mm-hmm. she's like, so you didn't feel it because you... We're hugging to it, but you didn't realize that they opened it up from the bottom. And I'm like, look at that Mexican ingenuity. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, it sounds like you were doing funny. something you weren't supposed to be doing, man. <laughs> She's like, I don't appreciate that. Um, okay, well, um, so for those of us who are not as familiar with mariachi music, who do you like look up to? I personally have a lot of faves, but. You're in the industry. <laughs> you have connections. That is such a stretch, Fabi. Um, <laughs> so I, the OG of all OGs, and he's also from Guanajuato, which is where my family's from, mm-hmm. is Jose Alfredo Jimenez. And you know, I I think a lot of people like our age specifically really like Vicente Fernandez, which you know he had he has a lot of a lot of heart. 
he also has a lot of like emotion some people don't like that other people like it me personally you know like at first i was like nah chint is good he also has a quiver in the lip yeah yeah he does that all the real dramatic he's also though a homophobe so yeah so um i did not know listen up everyone i think it's hard though because like yeah if you I, like everyone knows who Vicente Fernandez is, yeah. and so that's gonna be like the basis of like what you know about mariachi music. I feel mm-hmm. um, me personally, like my parents hate Vicente Fernandez, so it like wasn't that hard because uh, <laughs> they think he like cries too much, um, and they're just like huge Jose Alfredo Jimenez fans. And Jose Alfredo Jimenez is like one of the people who's composed the most yeah. of the songs that we like listen to and recognize in mariachi mm-hmm. music. Um, so I have a lot of respect for him. Um, also like all of these dudes in particular who like write all these songs had such complicated lives, like being alcoholics and like mujeriegos and like, this is all like confirmed, you know, like this is Mm -hmm. where they get all the inspo for their songs. Um, as far as women go though, like there are so many incredible women artists who sing rancheras and who are in mariachis. In particular, Aida Cuevas is incredible. Lila Downs, um, I think, is really innovative in the way that, that she sings um, a lot of traditional mariachi songs and also just has like such a disciplined voice. Um, and so she's incredible. And then as far as like big mariachi groups, Mariachi Reina de Los Angeles, dope. They perform, they perform with Aida Cuevas a lot. Um, and they're just super talented and incredible. And I, I love the idea of like an all women mariachi and a lot of what I really appreciate about mariachi music when I sing it and when I hear it is hearing like these songs that are talking about like oh you know like I was drunk in a cantina and I like harbored all this like hatred towards this right and I think that could very easily become like super machista Mm -hmm. and super like almost like volatile but like what's it like when a woman sings that and almost like throws it back in your face yeah um and so that's a lot of like what I really like about mariachi music Mm -hmm. is like the power that you feel singing it um and harnessing that so i i was gonna say that along those lines of like women throwing it back to the men there's a song i'm i don't know if you're familiar with it i googled it right now el macho panzon by beatriz adriana and it is like the epitome of what you said like throwing it back on them i'm like you're not that great type of thing and I just think it's hilarious. Okay, we're gonna kick it off with some spitfire questions. No. <laughs> rapid fire. Okay. <laughs> okay, just kidding. Rapid fire. <laughs> All right, we'll add that to the notes. Like, yeah, make sure we know what to, to call it. <laughs> our rapid fire questions. Favorite book. Oh my god, I just blanked out so hard. Favorite food. Wait, I have a favorite book. All mm-hmm. About Love by Bell Hooks. I was going to say, no te creo. Why is it your favorite? Damn it, that's not a rapid fire. Can you answer it yeah, anyway? Yeah, <laughs> I see. Y'all want me to tell my whole life story. Um, All About Love by Bell Hooks. I read it last year. 
Bell Hooks is basically a theorist, an intersectional feminist, black woman. Um, and in this book specifically, she talks about the way that love kind of manifests in her life and the different things that it means for her. Um, almost from like an academic standpoint, but in a very personal way, which I think is really cool. So she talks about like being an older woman and how like when she's already been in like a serious relationship. Um, but when she tells her friends like, you know, I want to be in love, I want to experience that. Mm -hmm. They kind of like laugh or they're like, aren't you kind of embarrassed to be talking about like wanting something? Which mm -hmm. I guess some people perceive as almost like a not infantile, but like a, like a, almost like a fantasy, right? To like desire love, a genuine love. Mm -hmm. And she's like, why would I feel ashamed about wanting something that literally every human being on the planet wants, no matter yeah. what their age is? But she also talks about like non-romantic love and mm -hmm. how we experience love when we grieve for people um, and how like a lot of people kind of like pressure you to like for your grief to end at some point or mm -hmm. to have an ending point mm -hmm. but like grief is the way that we like show love for people who are in our lives um and also just how like confusing it can be when we for example like tell our kids that we love them but then like hit them or something mm -hmm. and say like or punish them and say i'm doing this because i love you and it's like from experiences like that that people have such a skewed view of like what love actually means and how it should manifest itself in their lives so that was like such a huge book for me to read like mm -hmm. middle of quarantine and just mm -hmm. like i literally think about it all the time so wow i'm really glad i asked you to elaborate that was amazing yeah that was <laughs> but also like yeah multifaceted definition of love yeah yeah a uh, great um favorite movie favorite movie jesus christ what's it called it's the audrey hepburn movie when she's in italy i am not this is person. literally my favorite movie and i can't oh roman holiday oh, incredible roman. movie um i'm a sucker for like the oldies too uh-huh um it has Audrey Hepburn and Gregory Peck, who's like the hottest old dude alive. <laughs> like, <laughs> like literally, if it was like 1954 or something, that man's poster would be like in my room or something. Um, it could still be in your room. Yeah, I don't know where to get with it. <laughs> no, okay. Um, but it's it's just like a very wonderful movie and like. I think the way that like romance was depicted back then is like very idealistic mm -hmm. um but also just like very cool to see like the way everyone was so formal and like the whims of like people making impulsive decisions and what that looked like then versus now i think is really yeah. cool um favorite food um Specifically, specifically, the Pad CU from Siam Thai in Hyde Park. Check them out. The little old man who works there is the kindest person on the planet. Um, What's the name recommend. of the place? Siam Thai. Where is it located? It's S-I-A-M. It's located on, I believe, 55th and Cornell in Hyde mm, Park. Hyde Park. And they're right next to another Thai restaurant, but they are the best. Nice. I found it already, Pops. 
They oh, have an, they have a funny little description too. Modest cafes of international type. Oh no, there's it's something else. Or maybe it's somewhere else. Let me go to there. So tell me why I think I lived like a, a building away from that. Really? Yeah, from that restaurant, and I never tried it. When you look it up on Google, it's I can't see it right now, but it says something like eclectic cafe or something like that, or like quaint cafe. That's funny. I love it. So good. Great. And um, best advice you've ever gotten? Mm. Or advice that you would tell yourself 10 years ago? Well, 10 years ago, I was probably 12. Bobby, me making you guys feel like <laughs> why as, are you so as old as possible. I know. I'm like, oh. um, I also think that like Fabi and I's generation was getting those. What are you doing in ten years from now? And yeah, like I realistically now, if you like, what do you want to do in one year? Because your path, I cannot tell you what the hell I want to do in two years. So again, I feel like that's more like we're so much older. Like literally, if that's you more telling of us. Me a year from now, what do I want in a year? I'd be like, I don't know, health insurance. <laughs> like, the, you know what? Hat. Those are real goals. Yeah, a job that gives me health insurance. Goal accomplished. Um, yeah. Our world corrupt. Um, I think it's not even something that's been given to me like directly, uh, because I do think I seek people out for a lot of things, but I can't like tell you specifically something that I've received. But there's um. I remember I was like looking through one of my dad's like little notebooks that he keeps where he takes like different notes about different things mm-hmm. um, and I'm nosy as hell so I flipped to the like the last page and it just says like in sharpie and big black letters it says rifatela tu puedes um, which rifatela I don't even know how I would translate it like it's almost just like take the risk um, which for me was cool because I personally am not someone who enjoys taking risks I'm like a very fearful person mm-hmm. like I I and I really own up to that I'm a very fearful person uh, and sometimes you just have to take risks and see how things are gonna happen but also I thought it was really cool because you know like my dad is 73 years old like I consider him to be a very simple and like practical man mm-hmm. um, and I don't, I don't, I don't, it was like cool to see like his thoughts on paper in what like I would literally think of today or literally anyone would think of today as like almost like an affirmation. Yeah. Right. And so like him like putting something pen and paper down to like inspire him, I thought was really interesting because like I always knew like I would be the one writing like corny quotes and putting yeah. them on post-its and see like, no, like my dad, like this is like his guiding principle and like still at his age he feels challenged by things and mm-hmm. feels like he should just take risks so i think that was very cool for me to see and something that i tried to take a little more literally just because like i said like i'm a very fearful person i'm yeah. a very safe person yeah. i think that's really important um i love that quote you should try and mark that yeah <laughs> you really should um but but it, it's also important like you said i i think um, living in fear and being mindful of your own boundaries, but it's mm-hmm. so important to like just take that risk, at, like on yourself. 
I always tell, actually I got this from a friend who like whenever he is facing like a tough time, he's always like, at the end of the day I got myself and like I trust myself and I trust my knowledge and I'm willing to take a risk on myself more than like anyone. And I'm like, that is so powerful. Like he brings in that energy and that confidence. And I think that's what your dad might've been alluding to it. Like, yeah, take a bet on yourself probably the best one you can make Mm -hmm. yeah and also just like me stumbling upon it like i yeah i'm very much a person who's like this is a sign about this or like whatever and so even though like yes i was being nosy like i stumbled upon it Mm -hmm. Um, yeah but also like i take that to heart too um i think like as we continue to like be adults and grow older re-establishing that relationship with our parents whether it's directly through conversations or small things like that where you realize like oh that's how my parents are yeah. separate from what I thought they were um yeah especially like in those moments where they didn't necessarily like give it to us because that's almost where you find like their true selves versus like the version that they want you to see as their parent or as their parent yeah do you have any more rapid fire questions? my rapid fire questions are not as deep so I think we switched spaces this week <laughs> um are you a morning person or a night person? Definitely not a morning person. Um, I So I work a 10 to 6 now, and I literally sometimes, like today I woke up 10 minutes before I was supposed to go into work. Me. Go into work, which just means opening my, <laughs> my laptop. laptop. But I, yeah, I just can't do it no matter how hard I try. And if I, like, just have a lot going on in my brain not in actual real life like like i said i'll stay up until three in the morning and watch chef's table like i don't care text me i promise you i'm up until three in the morning too two is like my early nights two is my early nights i've noticed because i'll be like you know on instagram for oh yes those are my photo dumps that's when crystal dumps 53 pictures and shit on instagram (laughs) and then i forget by the morning because i knock the fuck out I wake up and I'll have alerts and I'm like, what are people like liking? And I'm like, oh yeah, I did that last night. <laughs> that is so true. Yeah, I do forget. Um, which plant are you proudest of right now? Ooh. Um, yeah. I didn't mention this before. I really like plants. Um, so for a long time, it was like my indoor plants that I was super passionate about. But I like started like gardening outside. Um, and so I grew a bunch of tomatoes from seed, and they're all huge now. Wow. Um, like, I'm I have impressed. three tomatillo plants, three Paul Robeson tomato plants, and three brandywine plants. Oh, no, four. Um, and I'm just, like, fascinated by the fact that I, like, started that months ago, and now it's, like, going to be something that produces, mm-hmm. like, actual fruit, which I think is awesome. You haven't tried any of it yet? No, they haven't. They haven't produced any yet. Mm-hmm. Um, but my time is coming. I'm so excited. I literally, <laughs> I literally look at them every day. And like today on my lunch break, I almost didn't eat because <laughs> because I was like, I should transplant these tomatoes right now. Yeah, they're so funny. Yeah. So I just remembered I have to go home and water my plants. <laughs> my homework for tonight. Um, what's your favorite summer activity that you haven't done yet? go to a concert um which tough to think about now like i think if i was a with a bunch of sweaty disgusting people from whatever (laughs) i was about to say from like 
fucking the suburbs or oh. something. <laughs> I'm like I'm like envisioning like Lollapalooza right now. Yeah. Um as we talked about Festival of the Lakes. <laughs> yeah. Oh my god. Which yeah. Festival of the Lakes, the Lollapalooza of Indiana. Yeah, no. Perhaps. Um, we're all joking here. It's going to be bigger next year, and then Indiana's going to have the last laugh. Listen, and we're all going to be there anyway yeah, every single true. day. So Like, it's free. And but, next know. door, I'll take it. Yeah, I miss concerts. I feel like I used to go to a lot of like free stuff, mm. too, and that would take up a lot of my time. So. All right, last question. What's the most interesting thing that you have in your wallet? In my wallet? Or phone. In my wallet. Do you only have a debit card in your wallet? Probably. I don't even have one. Also, I feel like this is something from our parents because they kept yeah. like extra stuff in there. I do have random extra stuff, but to be fair, it's stuff that I found in my parents' drawers. Um, like little <laughs> like pictures or like little notes or something. Maybe one of your keychains. She has um, a tile. <laughs> one of my keychains is. Actually, one of the questions bottle, was how many keys do you have on your keychain? So, what's uh, interesting on I your have keys? Three. I have three keys on my keychain. One is for the bike. I do not ride. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm glad we went with this but one. It's there for just in case. Yeah, I use. Well, I haven't like changed what's on my keychain since school, uh, which would ma- lead you to believe that I rode my bike at school too, but I did. <laughs> I didn't do that. Um, the other keys are like once for my dad's house, once for my mom's house. Mm-hmm. Um, I have this cute little Washu 2020 keychain that my friend mm. got made for me uh, when I graduated. And then, of course, like any practical woman my age, I have a bottle opener for when you're out and about and someone's like, I can't open this beer. Don't worry, I got you. I like being that person with the bottle opener. Except sometimes I forget I'm the person with the bottle opener and people are doing all these like tricks and dumb shit and you're like, I had it right. I'm the person who's like, it's in my car. I don't feel like walking to my car. <laughs> who has a lighter? <laughs> I'm the one who's like, I need the bottle opener. <laughs> Anyone? No. I bought one over the summer, and then my friend was like, can I just put it on my wallet? Because I feel like we always run into an issue where you don't have a bottle opener, even though we yeah. bought multiple. And I'm like, yep, that makes sense. <laughs> yeah, I remember in school, someone taught me how to do it on like a door hinge. How do you do that? I mean, well, I can do I, the counter, and that's like about I it. Can't, I can't do the counter. But I can do the door hinge. Well, I haven't done it in a long time because I think if I, like, messed up my door hinge, like, my dad would probably have, like, a heart attack. Yeah. Um, but I thought that That's shit was funny. so cool when I figured I out how to do it. I totally forgot that I could do it on the counters. Not that it's, like, a real talent. You just... <laughs> I really can't do it. I've, like, tried and I... Then say no one Yeah. I got you. Which are hinges and countertops? I'm gonna yeah. look up a YouTube video of these hinges or something. Yeah. Or can you go home and open it, one up? Is it I've never hinge? seen it on the okay, hinge. It's the. It's the. Oh. oh, it's not the hinge. It's you're, opposite. You're talking about the little lock, like where the lock the goes into. The opening where the lock goes mm. in. That. Oh. That's basically shaped like a. Yeah, yeah. I guess I, my brains just never looked at it like that. Genius. I don't know what's. Wow. Like. I know. My now I'm thinking about my doors. Because I'm thinking like doors. at my grandparents' house, they had the ones where like a bottle opener and a pencil sharpener was built into the walls. 
I'm like, it's basically the same thing. Yes. We recently removed the pencil sharpener. Oh, I no. was filming to our well because I would come like down the stairs. Oh. It was right by the stairs, and then I would slam my time. arm into a fucking sharpener. I don't even like using pencils, so I was like, <laughs> we need to get this out of here now. So funny. That sounds dangerous. Yeah. All right. As we wrap up, is there anything we did not discuss that you would like to toss in Share. here? Remember, oh, this is a, this is a mixtape of your life that yes, you'll listen to in ten years. Jesus, that makes it really intense. On Apple's servers, um, and Squarespace. I guess I'm just gonna plug Bell Hooks All About Love one more time. Um, and the reason I say that is because I think like when the pandemic was happening and there was like all of this turmoil in the world. Um, I found myself like passing judgment on people really easily um, for just like not doing I think the bare minimum for other people mm. and so I remember reading in Bell Hooks's book um, she said something along the lines of like um, having like leading an ethical life doesn't have to be boring or like you can lead an ethical life and still have fun. And that really stuck with me mm -hmm. uh, when thinking about like what my values are. So I think what I would leave with people based on based on those words is like hold to hold true to what your values are. Um, I think it's easy to compare to other people and to see what they're doing and think I should be doing this or I should be doing that. But having this little voice in your head that tells you like, but I don't, I don't think I believe in that. I don't think yeah. that that's how I want to lead my life. And so just always remember that like your values are your values because they mean something to you and because they're important to you. Um, and when you really take the time to like analyze what those are and why they're important to you, it becomes all the more easier to live a life surrounded by love and by like tranquility with yourself when you know that you're living a life that reflects the things that you care about mm -hmm. um and i think that other people see that when you do that too so gracias a todos lo hago por mi público gracias thanks for joining us on today's episode if you'd like to share your chisme with us for a chance to be featured on the podcast Send us an email at chismeconcorazon at gmail.com or leave us a voicemail at 929-333-2752. As always, don't forget to follow us on Instagram and leave a rating wherever you're listening to this podcast. Adios,